From Western Sound and ACAST Studios, this is The Score, The Bank Robber Diaries. I'm Ben Adair, and first, how you doing? I want to wish you, everyone you know, happiness and health and safety during this time that we're all going through together. You know, we had been planning to roll out a bunch of these bonus episodes for The Bank Robber Diaries much earlier, but something got in the way. Um, there's just so much great stuff that we recorded that didn't make it into the 15-episode narrative. So we're going to start here, now, today, with this interview that we did with Piper Kerman. If you don't recognize the name Piper Kerman right away, uh, Piper is the author of Orange is the New Black, the best-selling memoir that became a hit Netflix show. And what you might not know is that Joe Loya is somewhat, I'm going to call it somewhat, he's somewhat responsible for Piper writing that book in the first place. If you don't know the story of Orange is the New Black, it basically tells of Piper's year spent in federal prison. And while she was there, Joe, who was a friend of a friend, decided to write Piper a letter. Piper can explain it all. Here she is. I first met Joe Loya uh, on paper. Joe Loya began to write me letters when I was incarcerated in federal prison in 2004. I didn't know Joe. I had never heard of Joe. We have a mutual friend, Laura, and she put out the, the call to her own circle of friends saying, oh, I've got a friend who's incarcerated and she needs books. So if you have any books that you are looking to get out of your life, <laughs> um, consider sending them to Piper. So Joe began not only to send me books, but also to send me letters. Joe, of course, had served time in federal prison himself for bank robbery. And his letters were very different than any of the other letters that I was receiving from my friends or family on the outside, because Joe really understood where I was, uh, literally, physically, in terms of being incarcerated and in terms of being in the federal system. And those letters were, you know, very um, insistent, which is one of the characterizations I would make of Joe. He is a very insistent person. He's full of curiosity and inquiry. He's got a lot of questions about the world, about himself, about other people. Um, and that all really came across in his letters. Again, you know, we had never met, so it was a little sort of unsettling for me in some ways to have a total stranger ask me really personal questions in those letters. But... You know, that is the sort of interesting intimacy that two people who have both been incarcerated um, might experience because it's such an intense and singular experience to lose your liberty and to be held against your will. And, you know, different people respond to that differently. Um, but there are definitely some overlaps and some, you know, perhaps even universal qualities to that experience of being a prisoner. And so Joe and I had that in common. What was in that what was in that first letter, do you remember? I mean, he in, Joe introduced himself to me in that first letter and explained sort of his friendship with Laura. And you know, he explained a little bit about himself, the fact that he had done, you know, some serious time for bank robbery. Um and he just, you know, expressed a lot of sort of empathy and sympathy for my present situation. 
And, you know, unlike any of the other letters that I was receiving from people in the outside world, you know, Joe was sort of a symbol of the fact that I might get through this really difficult, you know, shitty experience. You know, like being, being in prison is terrible. Being incarcerated is awful. But Joe was a person who had done a lot more time than I was going to have to do. I was very lucky. I served 13 months of a 15-month sentence, and Joe, you know, survived, you know, seven-plus years in federal prison and several years in solitary confinement. So, you know, he was sort of this um, symbol that, you know, I was going to get through this. And that was also literally what he was saying in those letters as well, like, hey, you're going to get through this. Um, and that was really reassuring in a way that, you know, other people couldn't be. Did you write him back right away? Yeah, I did write him back right away. But if I didn't write him back quickly enough, you know, we then established sort of a, an ongoing correspondence. If Joe felt like I didn't write him back fast enough, he would write me another letter and be like, how come you didn't answer my letter? <laughs> That's sort of one of the examples of his sort of insistent personality. <laughs> Do you remember like some specific things he might have said in the letter that um, stood out to you? I mean, I think that Joe asked questions that either didn't occur to other people or perhaps other people were afraid to ask, like, how do you think this experience is going to change you? Or how do you think this experience is going to change, you know, your relationship with your fiance? Um, you know, really serious questions. Um, and, you know, more so than other people, Joe was like, what are you going to do with whatever you've learned from this experience? And one of the things that Joe encouraged me to do was to write. And unlike Joe, I had never written anything for publication before. You know, and when Joe was incarcerated, he had not done that either. But uh, since he had come home, he had transformed his life from, you know, a bank robber and a convict and all the other, you know, things that we might attach to his personal history, he transformed himself into a writer. Um, and, and I didn't necessarily have that ambition for myself. But Joe just really said, write about this experience, even if you only do it for yourself. Um, but he always, he encouraged me to write about the experience of incarceration, even long before those any sort of belief that 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 story might have appealed to others on the outside um, was really something that I believed in. At a certain point during the year that I was incarcerated, Joe's memoir was published, and I got a copy of it in prison, which actually really shocked him because it was a hardcover book, and he was really amazed that I was able to have a hardcover book. And so I learned way more about Joe by reading his memoir than I had known simply from uh, our correspondence. And Joe's life story is this revealing um, portrait of how stories and language um, and learning have this transformative effect. And all those things that were imbued in him as a child, even, you know, from his father in this, you know, sort of terribly abusive relationship, are some of the things that literally sustained him through, 
you know, years of solitary confinement and, you know, the, you know, sort of your near destructions of sense of self. But, um, you know, it's funny how those things that you sort of acquire or learn at one phase in your life, you know, are the things that save your life later on. And so reading that story, um, I think probably gave me a more serious sense of taking seriously the things that I had in my sort of toolbox, which included, you know, I was very fortunate to, to have gone to college and to have this college education and to have the capability of writing. So um, also sort of understanding more of Joe's story made me take more seriously the fact that some stories are really important to tell. And even if a person is not, you know, held up as a, you know, professional writer who's been through, you know, an MFA program or journalism school, that they might, in fact, be able to share their story in a way that is compelling to other people. Certainly that was true on Joe's part. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting the sense talking to you that it was the letters and then reading the memoir that really inspired you to write about your experiences. Is that wholly I mean, true or is yeah, it part, of the, part no. of the package? Or So, you know, back in 2004, 2005, when I was still incarcerated, I had those those examples as sort of um, lifelines or sustainers or ideas. But I didn't really take seriously the idea of writing about my own experience until after I came home from prison. And that's when I got to meet Joe face to face finally. Um, you know, it's funny when you have met somebody uh, in the pages of a book or in, in a letter and you actually sort of meet them in the flesh. It's always uh, sort of fascinating how things are similar or different. What did you, What did you get versus what you expected to get? You know, in our correspondence, Joe didn't talk that much about, you know, his family, you know, his father, you know, he's a dad of a, of a lovely daughter. And those things were not a big topic in our correspondence when I was incarcerated. But when you see Joe, you know, in a, whether you are literally sitting and talking with him or, you know, if you're you know, if he's, you're seeing the things he posts on social media, you know, his family and his family life are a huge, huge part of, of who he is. So, you know, when we talk about Joe's story, we talk a lot about the changes that sort of happened, you know, that, that led him to prison and then the changes that happened in prison and then the changes that happened kind of like between prison and his, his memoir coming out in 2004. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you sort of met him right at that period where I think a lot of the great change in his life had kind of come to fruition. Mm-hmm. But you've known him for 14 years. How has he changed in the last 14 years? The, this experience of parenthood, which requires so much selflessness, or, um, you know, it does demand that you try to figure things out about yourself and yet also um, not get in the way of this other person, this young person discovering who they are and developing into the person they are. I mean, I guess that is one of the things that I perceive as having been, you know, a huge defining aspect of his last decade. 
being a dad is something he loves and is excited about and is proud of. And, um, and his daughter is a person he's incredibly proud of. And that I love the fact that that is so frequently something that he wants to talk about publicly or talk with friends about or write about. Actually, and I think one of the things that's interesting about that when you think about the memoir and you think about his own life is the way that that reflects back on his own relationship with his father. You know, his mother, of course, died when he was, you know, still a child, a young child. Um, and his relationship with his father is very complex based on the memoir. And yet, you know, one of the really inspiring things about Joe is his ability to return to that relationship and to find a way to make peace with his father and to be, in, you know, in relationship with his father. Um, how do you how do you see Joe doing that or not doing that? I think that Joe has that sense of time and detachment from the person he was as a as a child, as a young man. Um, during the early parts of his incarceration. And he can look at his past actions and both um, express, I think, very genuine regret for the harm he may have caused to other people, the harm he definitely caused to other people, and yet also say, you know, there's a part of that person which, in which sort of resilience and... Um, uh, intelligence and uh, survival <laughs> were all sort of part of the picture. Um, and you have to find the parts of your former self that you do hold in regard or that you do value. You cannot simply, you know, throw your former self into the garbage. That was Piper Kerman, author of Orange is the New Black. We're going to be rolling out a few more of these bonus episodes over the next few weeks, every couple weeks or so. Uh, we have a bunch of them, so stay tuned. And in the meantime, if you're looking for some support during this thing that we're all going through, uh, we here at Western Sound have started a new show. It's called Pandemic Check-In. We've partnered with a team of mental health professionals, psychiatrists, therapists, psychiatric nurses to give you advice and to give everyone advice about how to get through this. It's a call-in show, so if you're up for it, you can give us a call. You can get your questions answered, share your stories, just let us know how you're doing. Uh, the show, again, is called Pandemic Check-In. You can search for it anywhere you listen to podcasts. I hope you'll listen. It's some really good advice that I've been using in my life, and I know that you will too. So stay tuned. Again, Ben Adair with The Score, Bank Robber Diaries, from Western Sound and ACAST Studios. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Thanks. <laughs>